Welcome everybody, I'm very excited to see so many of you here. I know that Republica can be quite draining in two days already. Um, so you will be happy to hear that today we are not only planning to provide orientation in the field of innovation and technology policy, deconstruct some prevailing narratives and identify best practices as a way forward all in one hour. It is uh, also an act of publicly, publicly thinking together rather than providing all of the answers. Um, but we'll definitely illuminate this dark room a bit. Before I invite each of the panelists uh, to my left and to my right to introduce themselves, um, let me briefly introduce my trajectory in the field and why I curated this panel. I'm a historian of technology by training, worked an, as a program curator for Republica for five years, and then last year transitioned into a role in Prototype Fund, a fund created by Open Knowledge Foundation in Germany and the Ministry of Research and Education, um, funding public interest technology in free and open source. Mm. So you can rightfully say that I'm interested in the social development environment of technology and also the accompanying policies. There are many occasions that invite a debate on innovation ecologies recently. I'd like to single out one. Recently, I discovered a thread on Twitter that showed uh, the by now very infamous garages of California where all the leaps for technological progress have been made, unless it finally also provided um, additional information. And that was the access um, of all these bright young men to financing. It still get, needs a good idea, but uh, if you have access to the financial market and material already, then there's a good chance that you gain from your entrepreneurial endeavors. But our narratives about innovation still emphasize the genius of a single person and obfuscate um, the infrastructures and frameworks that are also necessary to succeed. And that, in my opinion, is a misrepresentation with consequences. I afterwards looked at specific examples and devices from history to identify who provided the risky early stage investments in research and development and discovered that Investment from the private sector fo followed up, but whether you take smartphones or drugs, um, whereas the profit often stays with the companies, many of the parts of the devices have been enabled by state funding. Um, if you look at the visualization of the components that are used in an iPhone, by no means I'm an econo economist, but I acknowledge, and I acknowledge the statement is very polemic, but paying 900 euros for something that, where the uh, single components have already been financed by taxes is not my understanding of return on investment. So maybe to take technological progress um, to make it a more inclusive course, we need to change the narratives and how we build technology. 
to make technologies further benefit society. All the women here with me today are already seeing, sparking, shaping and shifting technology with a focus on the public value. <laughs> What unites us, we already fund the de development of technology, sometimes from our communities, for the communities, but also in the public interest. To my right, uh, Francesca Bria is the Chief Technology and Digital in Innovation Officer of the Barcelona City Council and also visiting professor at the Institute for Innovation and Public Purpose. Valerie Mocca is the Director of Development and European Digital Policy at Nesta. Anna Christmann is a member of Parliament for the Green Party and a spokesperson for innovation and um, technology policy. And Julia Kleuber is a partner at um, Ashoka Germany and co-founder of the Prototype Fund. Please and... Um, from left to right, please introduce yourself, recent projects, and uh, what brought you to working in this field, and why are you interested in innovation? Thanks, I guess I'll start. Um, first of all, what a cool panel, thanks for joining us. Um, I've been thinking a lot about funding programs and policies lately, and throughout of my professional career, I've always been working with nonprofit organizations. I always had more ideas for projects than actual funds for them. Um, and in 2015, I was so frustrated with how hard it was to find funding for civic tech and social innovation projects that I sat together with a friend, Cosmin Kabulea, and we started to draft our own fund. Because now known as the Prototype Fund, because back then we also saw a lot of civic tech communities working on tools in their spare time, never really finding funny for, uh, funding for them to like focus on them more. Many of them were applying to funding programs from abroad, like the Knight Foundation, they also had a Prototype Fund there, but since they are very US focused, it was hard to get money uh, from these institutions and programs in Europe. So the program that we envisioned was a program where public funding would be used in order to support civic tech projects, individuals and small teams, people that have never really like looked at the ministry's websites to seek funding, sometimes people even never thought about starting a startup, but they were all very passionate about what they're building and driving forward. So a program for these individuals and communities. What was important to us is to design it in the way that the communities would understand that we're reaching out to them um, to design it with as little bureaucracy as possible um, which we managed we now have eight questions online and since we were coming from this community we really knew the needs of the people um, that we were addressing this program to and uh, we approached the Ministry for Education in Science back in 2015 and they really liked our idea because they also wanted to reach out to new audiences and didn't know how. Most of their programs were really focusing on um, organizations, universities, you would have to be a legal entity but an individual was not able to apply to the funding sources from these programs. Um, 
What was special about the prototype fund, and this is something I want to highlight, is that we set up the program as a prototype in itself. Because um, we knew, we, we didn't know what an ideal funding program would look like. So we knew we had to learn and adapt, and it was important for us to have this program uh, as an agile program that could be developed, that could have staff that grows with it, uh, um, and the ministry as a supporter. And when I was preparing for the panel, I found this quote, and back then we didn't know about it, um, but a quote by Richard Nelson and Sidney Winter that says, the design of good policy is, to a considerable extent, the design of an organizational structure capable of learning and adjusting behavior in response to what is learned. And I believe that should be true for all innovation programs and funds, because how can you create innovation ecosystems and communities without innovating yourself all the time and iterating and questioning, is that what you're doing still? Does it still fit um, with the programs and the projects that people are developing? And as a second point, I, I wanted to bring up that our goal was never to promote tech for the sake of tech innovation. We were always interested in the bigger picture in topics like societal change, fighting inequality, increasing diversity and environmental issues. And we were interested in the potential that new technologies have for these spaces. And something I'm interested right now, and maybe we can also talk about it, is system change. So how do you get from like quick fixes to problems, quick solutions, to really changing systems. And yesterday, Alex Hope gave a, a talk on the main stage. She was talking about a hackathon around the breast pump at the MIT. So they wanted to make the breast pump not suck um, and set up a program with innovators there. Um, and while they thought that their goal was to improve the technological set of the breast pump, she told a story where someone approached them and said, as long as women have to go back to work soon after they have a baby, every breastfeeding technology will suck. So they figured that their systemic, that their system change would be in the field of uh, family leaves. So they started to invent an event series called the Make the Family Leave Not Suck Policy Summit, which I found a really kind of nice example um, about system change. Um, and I want to end this quick introduction by saying that I, I really wish that we would see more programs that focus on the system change, more mission-oriented funding programs that do not only provide money to people and communities, but help to grow these communities and these networks and who equip the grantees and the teams with skills. So I hope, I also want to see them as inclusive as possible because as we can see with the breast pump hackathon, like innovation can come from anywhere. So this is my quick take and a quick introduction of the prototype fund. Yeah, thank you so much. I'm so happy to be part of this great panel with all the women on the panel. That's uh, especially great. And uh, I think it's, it's very good that we have this uh, topic of social innovation here on the Republica because um, I think it's, it's one of the major shifts we have to make in the next few years. And that's what maybe you described as a system change, that we need a kind of a new interpretation of innovation um, and more to a social one and more to an ecological one, of course, uh, my perspective. From the Green Party uh, are always these two issues that I think are very, bind very closely 
together. And uh, the big question is how can we uh, get uh, to have more social innovations and to have more ecological innovations that uh, we have quicker, really in concrete applications in our daily life. And that is the challenge from my perspective. And as a member of parliament, of course, I think a lot about how we can uh, politically um, support these new types of innovation. And we have great examples here on the panel today. We will hear Nesta from Great Britain in a few minutes. Um, so I think they're in, in different countries and other countries. We have already some ideas how to um, support these kind of innovations. And in Germany, I think we lack an institution to really... Um, have uh, funding for these kind of innovation that also you described. I mean, the two of you, you um, started the prototype fund, which is great, and which is a kind of tiny tool um, to start this way, but I think we need uh, something that is much bigger and that is much more, um, in, in a way, um, more, more effectful um, uh, for the system. Um, so that's why we um, suggested such an agency for like sustainable and social innovation uh, funding um, for Germany. Um, of course, it's nothing that has a great support so far from the different parties, but we try to support this issue and to bring it into the political um, debate. What we have in the political debate, maybe to, to have a contrast to that, is um, the agency for disruptive innovation um, that uh, the government is proposing right now. It's called the uh, Nationale Agentur für Sprunginnovation in German. Um, that is a big project uh, of the research ministry and uh, the economic ministry. And I think it's okay to do that because it's kind of, it tries to bring DARPA to Germany. Um, but there are two big mistakes in this idea, I think. One is the national focus. I mean, if you want to do big disruptive uh, innovation, you can't really do it on a national level, I think. Um, and the second mistake is uh, to have, uh, not to have a focus on for example the SDGs with these kind of innovation funding um, it's just a very general approach um, and it's also not even yet clear how it will work exactly um, and it misses completely the whole perspective of social innovation and of ecological innovation and that's, I think that's a big problem in our debate so far so um, we try as a Green Party um, together with some other who, who support this way to um, bring this issue into the debate. And then maybe one second um, point before um, I give to the next person is uh, what, we, what is also important, I think, to have a new idea of innovation and to bring um, more social innovation into, into application is to have in the whole tech sector more diversity. And I mean, here, um, I think many people of you know that very well. Others don't, uh, and I think it's a, it's a very important thing that we try to bring more women, to bring more different people with different backgrounds into this whole technic uh, scene. So um, we get different ideas also about social applications, because I think something like care for elderly people, um, uh, problems that women have more than men that you mentioned, these are all uh, possible um, fields where we could um, have lots of innovation 
um, if the people were there who would develop these kind of things and who would know the problems that different people have. So I think that is also a political um, point to bring more women, more different people into um, these fields and that's also what I try to achieve uh, in the parliament. Thank you. I am very happy to be here and I think one of the principles that we all share and which I strongly believe in is that if you want to make a difference in the world, you need to do something differently to what's normally done. Because if you keep doing things the way that they're being done, then nothing's going to change. And that also means that you need to ask questions about what everybody accepts and kind of where the herd is running. And I think one of the things we see in the policy and political sphere is that a lot of governments and also on the EU level are not talking about AI strategies, right? And blockchain strategies and technology strategies. I mean, imagine, does, does any of, anybody of you or your company have a concrete, like a concrete strategy? So, beton, in German you would say eine Betonstrategie. Concrete is the stuff that is in, in the floor and in our walls and in our streets. You know, it's a material that is pervading our daily lives and it's super, and it has a super important economic factor, da, 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 da. Obviously, nobody would say we have a concrete strategy because firstly, we think about what we want to achieve in the world and what kind of issues we want to solve and then we use concrete to build the world in a certain way. And I think this is the type of approach or mental shift we also need when it comes to digitalization. And instead of having a kind of AI strategy, for example, what we probably should be doing is that we are looking at certain things we want to change in the world and then we develop strategies for that. So it could be strategies, you know, for education and, and the question, how do we actually create a world where every child has the same educational opportunities and then we use AI to develop a curriculum and, and you know, tools that help every kid, no matter where they are from, to become the best they can be. Or maybe we look at you know, aging and, and the issue that a lot of people, when they get old, are really lonely, and we know that loneliness has negative impacts on health and our health system and so on and so forth. And then we ask the question, how do we use AI and other technologies to solve those types of issues, right? And when you follow this theory or this kind of mental approach, this is also the way that you should be funding innovation if you want to make sure that the people and social issues are at the center and not just at the margin and they come somewhere at the end. And there are some countries that are actually funding in that way and that have, that have created funds that are looking at social issues, at things that we want to change in society and then they're giving funding to innovations and to technology-driven organizations that can solve those challenges. One example is um, Citra in Finland, uh, which is a big innovation foundation there. Another example is Nesta in the UK, which is where, where I'm from. And there, you know, I mean, 20 years ago, the UK had some good ideas. And I know at the moment, you know, like, uh, it's sometimes, uh, yeah, maybe uh, harder to, to imagine on some days. But back then, uh, the government has actually put uh, a lot of funding into this, this Nesta fund. And now we have half a billion euros that we use exclusively to fund social innovation, right? And that is the reason why countries like the UK have technologies that really make a difference in people's lives um, and, you know, in, in a lot of different, uh, different areas. And um, one of the questions that I get asked a lot when I'm here, because I'm German myself, so I'm also here a lot, um, is, is why does Germany not have 
you know, more funding specifically for social innovation? You know, why do we have so many people saying, oh, people should be at the center of digitalization, but why do we, you know, why do we not act up on what we are, what we are talking about, right? Um, and here I quickly want to tell a story and, and, and put the focus, maybe of, also of our discussion, on the issue of culture and the way that politics and policy works. And this is going to be a bit painful, but I'm going to, f I'm going to, I'm going to end with a positive note. Right? Um, but I think it's important to put the finger into the wound and where things really fail, because if we don't do that, we will never you know, treat the causes, we will only treat the symptoms. And um, you know, we, we, we had... Um, I am advising or have been asked to advise on various um, you know, different institutions that are supposed to be founded, you already mentioned um, one of them, and what I have to say, this is the positive news, is that there are some brilliant people inside the civil service and also some brilliant people inside politics. And civil servants and politicians you know, often get a really hard time, but there are some brilliant people who totally get that social innovation is important and that we should be doing things differently to how they always used to be. So what we've done is, you know, in one of the projects, um, somebody was really uh, excited about a kind of um, uh, about replicating something we had done in the UK, where you basically use digital platforms and artificial intelligence to help people who suffer a heart attack. And I can later come to the exact example, right? So this person was asking if we could support this with, you know, some advice because we had already scaled these technologies across the UK and many other countries, New Zealand, Australia, and so on and so forth. Um, this person has had organized, you know, a lot of other support, funding, um, the innovations and the organizations that had developed similar technologies here in Germany, you know, everything you could say was kind of ready to go. And then we um, still haven't, you know, s started uh, any of that, or they haven't started any of that, because in the end, it failed because, or it, nothing happened because of three reasons and three arguments. Number one was that, um, uh, you know, a lot of people were asking, uh, well, uh, what kind of positions would we have, because I have this person here that needs a position, and I have a person here that needs a position. The second question then was, um, well, um, are all the people involved in this project from our past? because we can't really have you know, people from the other parties involved in this project. And then there was a third argument, which I thought was the most ridiculous one, which was, um, if these solutions and technologies have worked well in other countries, then we can't do it here, because somebody in my party could say that we have just copied it, and we can't do that. Right? So, long story cut short, Nothing happened, and instead of doing something, uh, we are still at the status quo as, as, as it used to be. And um, the, 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 certainly one of the key challenges we have when we want to create new models of funding, new organizations, new institutions, is that party political politics, um, protecting the incumbents, and um, I think also a fear of maybe opening up and really collaborating internationally is, is something that is holding a lot of good ideas back. And it's holding back the people inside politics, inside every party here in Germany and in the civil service who have a lot of ideas and who want to be brave and who want to be different and try something new. And why I get up every day is because I want to build a world 
and a future that belongs to everyone and where everyone can develop this fire and this idea that they have inside of themselves no matter who they are, which party they belong to or if they are you know, young or old or um, you know, have a certain kind of professional background and, and uh, you know, I think that, is, that should be our goal that we build a world that belongs to everyone and that we ensure that digitalization can be something that everybody can shape no matter where they are, where they are from and I think for that we do need to talk about culture because no matter how good your strategy is it is absolutely true that culture eats your digital strategy for breakfast. Thank you. So, hi everybody. And great again to be here. Uh, all female panel talk about technology and innovation. I think that's what we need and we need more, much more of this. So, I will build on what the other people already said. And in particular, I will start from the question around fear and the question around we need some change, we do need alternatives. So, I'm particularly happy to be in this panel because we discuss alternatives. And we discuss also how we can start a bit thinking outside the box, I mean, in a real sense. So we really need much more political and social imagination when we think about the future and we think about innovation. And all the debates, uh, by the way, I think that Republica really... Congratulations, because uh, not only, I mean, this year digitalization is very much present everywhere in the panels, but also at many different levels, you know, tackling issues about competition, taxation, industrial policy, uh, social impact, the big policy, I mean, the big questions that we have, and I think this is absolutely important because we should not just see technology as some kind of technological tools. I mean, this is going to be about deciding the future political and economic system for Europe, and it is about time that policymakers understand that it's important they not only understand the digital and how the digitalization is changing government, the economy, and society, but also that they have a plan. And I think this is what we at the moment don't really have in Europe and I think obviously this discussion is a European discussion. Uh, I think it's not only what Germany is doing, what all the kind of different uh, nation states are doing, but it's a European question. So are we able as Europe, uh, in a moment I think where we have a lot of opportunities because there is a big backlash against the, um, the dominant um, market and social power that the big tech are having. So there is backlash against monopoly power, against the question around civil liberty and privacy, data breaches, election manipulations. So many people are worried. And many people, I think, very clearly are saying, you know, we want to take democratic control of digital infrastructures. We want to know who owns our data. So we want to have sovereignty over data. And we want that with our system, which is governments uh, and policymakers, but also academia, universities, political parties, civil society and citizens, we decide what is the people-centric, rights-preserving model that Europe can put forward, which is going to be an alternative to Silicon Valley, uh, monopoly, data, uh, marketplace and surveillance capitalism on one side, and the Chinese model that I think doesn't fit this kind of ecological, social, uh, democratic Europe that we want. So just let me say, we do have an opportunity, but we only have an opportunity if we come up with a plan. 
And then I just, I just really want to say a little bit about what I'm doing because I've been busy many years with the European Commission and now in Barcelona to try and, and fund and create an alternative to this system. And, you know, Europe is investing 77 billion in the European R&D program, Horizon 2020, is a lot of money. The majority of this, so it's more than DARPA, actually. And I mean, not only it shows that, of course, governments have a say in funding long-term innovation that responds to big social challenges, such as climate change, such as, you know, energy transition, uh, the question of healthcare and the new education. Uh, but, I mean, they really are the only ones because you need to provide long-term patient finance and you need to have a vision and a mission and then mobilize all the intelligence that we have to reach there. But the majority of this funding has been going through many years, from the 50s actually, uh, through uh, military technology, espionage, um, defense, the military, and to fund the commercial internet, which led us to the mess that we have now, by the way. Monopoly power, breaches of privacy, uh, questions around you know, civil liberty, and so on. But very little has been going into societal innovation that solve really, that enable us to reshape our welfare state, to invest in education, to make sure that our universities are attractive so that our, you know, talented people, the ones that are here, don't have to go to Silicon Valley to get some funding, but can actually build technologies that we need to um, build our future. So, uh, just to say, I mean, Europe is doing some of it. I've been working uh, in the European Commission when I used to work at Nesta, actually. Sorry about this. It's a bit uh, uh, Nesta-centric here. But I used to work there, and the European Commission created a fund of 60 million uh, euros. It's called Collective Intelligence Platforms. And I've been leading a project which is called Decode on Digital Democracy when I was at Nesta. Now I'm leading a project that's about data sovereignty and distributed ledger technologies. And the important thing about that fund was that they said, first of all, it has to be open source technology and you have to use like open standards, interoperability, open source technology and the licensing. So basically public money, public technology. So the licensing that go there has to be opened up so that everybody can build on that. The data has to be open, but also we have to use ethics, privacy and security by design because we want to support fundamental rights of citizens. And then they were saying it has to be multidisciplinary which is important, and citizens can get involved. Citizens, civil society, uh, social enterprises, cooperatives, like citizens, you know. So my, and, and you know, now there is other possibilities. There is a fund which is about next generation internet, which all of you and all of us have to shape because the future of the internet for Europe has to be decentralized, privacy enhancing and rights preserving. And I'm telling, maybe we do not need intelligence, um, artificial intelligence strategy, I think we do. I think actually we need both. We need the big societal challenges, but we also need um, to have better infrastructures. I mean, we actually need different infrastructure for democratic participation. It cannot happen on Facebook. I mean, we are now having European citizens on Facebook for elections. Who is guaranteeing? I mean, where are the democratic guarantees? Uh, can we avoid a manipulation of personal data in a platform that has as a core business model the manipulation of our data and the collective exploitation of personal data? My answer is no. 
So I do think that we need alternative and we need to fund this alternative as a society. Uh, so the next generation internet could be a tool that we can use. And by the way, the European Commission has a disruptive innovation agency, which I guess this is the reason why the German government has been copying it here. And I think uh, the problem is that, imagine, uh, sorry, and I will finish, but there's so much to talk. Germany is investing 3 billion AI strategy. The European Commission, together with France, so all the countries together, is around 30. Do you know how much China is investing? 300 billion. So do you think, I mean, we are going to be able to actually compete and say, well, maybe we don't want the type of artificial intelligence that the Chinese have, where you have cameras everywhere, uh, facial recognition everywhere. Actually, in Barcelona, I said, why don't we actually ban it in cities so that we protect our fundamental rights, right? And so we need much more of investment. And I think we need investment in infrastructure that is privacy-preserving and is um, people-centric. And then we need to meet that with, of course, what are we going to do with technology? Why do we need more technology? And the answer, obviously, has been said already by all of the people here, which is, you know, climate change, uh, the energy transition, healthcare, education, public transportation system, I mean, all the kind of welfare state that we need to rebuild. So lots to do, basically. So we need to have this conversation and then maybe have some action about it. Um, thank you very much. Directly connecting with all of your statements, um, I was wondering, we don't only have to reframe the meaning of innovation in a way that it's disconnected from growth to be able to create a better future for everyone. Um, if we look at the sustainable development goals that all of you mentioned, very little of these challenges will be tackled by technology only. And uh, at the moment, you have to re like phrase your idea um, in a technological framework to have access to funding and to realize um, or to really put it in, in implementation. And if you look at it, is it a rather a, a mindset um, and a way more restrictive use of resources that also has been uh, has to be a principle that guides the development of technology? And how do you implement it in your programs already? Like, is, is, is it only technological innovation, or what does technological uh, digital to social innovation mean in that way? The answer is never just technological or just social. It's always a mix of those things, right? And the way, the way that we approach it, when we, for example, fund something, is that we say we are looking at a social challenge and we want to get the best solutions from anywhere, from anyone. And if you can solve the challenge, then we're going to fund you. Mm -hmm. And if it's 80% technology, 20% social, or you know, the other way around, that doesn't really matter. But what we see also when it comes to um, you know, things like digital platforms, artificial intelligence, a lot of the really good solutions always have these two components, right? So I'm going to give you one concrete example that illustrates that. So um, what I just mentioned is you know, uh, the, the platform for heart attack cases. So um, if one of us had a heart attack now, we would have four minutes, and within those four minutes, somebody would need to uh, save your life as a first aider, because after four minutes, it is often too late. Our, um, uh, our Krankenwagen, what is the English word for it? Our ambulances, exactly. So our ambulances um, need about nine to ten minutes, in the countryside even longer, 15, 30 minutes, right? So 
the solution that we found in the end is a, a platform and an app that is implemented into all the ambulances in the UK now. And what it does is that if one of you has a heart attack, I call the ambulance, the ambulance leaves. Um, within seconds, we find via GPS um, the people and first aiders who are registered who are close by, just a few hundred meters away. And these people can then come and save your life within the crucial four minutes. And that is a solution that can save 10,000 lives a year. And it is a solution that builds on the technology. It has a kind of, you know, a bit of digital platform and they are now augmented reality and artificial intelligence elements, so to speak. But it builds essentially on you know humans helping humans people people helping people and even in the future our solutions will be very um, you know people driven and 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 the, yeah the best solutions for people often and almost always involve people and it's also our decision that we say we wanted to involve people we don't just want there to be a black box uh, with some technology that nobody understands and i think this is the key role also for funders and also for governments to set these these um, frameworks and say we have certain values, we put those values into the frameworks and if you uh, stick to our values, you get money and if you don't, you don't, you, you don't get any money and that's how we create an incentive for you know, an innovation system to develop into a certain direction. So what's the question? Technology or... Um no, are our <laughs> solutions that need to be funded, uh, technological yeah. tools or something, yeah. or is there needed more? Is there more change yeah. in mindsets to be able to really answer all of the um, challenges imposed on us? Well, I don't know. I mean, I'm uh, very aligned with what Valerie just said. I mean, I think it depends where you're looking at. I think, yes, we do miss a lot of um, technologies, actually, also, but uh, this is depending on the agency. I mean, obviously, if you are a social innovation agency, you do not maybe fund the technology in particular, yeah. but you, uh, as Valerie was saying, you have a problem and then you, you find a way to tackle this, this challenge. I think that, um, I mean, for instance, I do an example. In, in Barcelona, we are, um, cities can do a lot. Mm -hmm. So cities, I think, are a very interesting kind of intermediary uh, public institution uh, because we are closer to the citizens so we can have this kind of engagement and participation which I think is critical so for instance I'm in charge of the smart city policy and I really had to say okay hold on a moment we are not going to implement a smart city that starts from technology uh, with the technology vendor pushing us all kind of things from sensors to connectivity to data to the blockchain now is 5G all this technology and nobody knows why do we need this technology I mean to do what what are the problems we're trying to solve, how are the citizens participating. So we had to really shift everything around and now we have implementing a large-scale participatory democracy movement and process, 400,000 citizens participating into shaping the policy agenda, 70% uh, of the action plan of the city of Barcelona comes directly from citizens and they have been full, I mean they have been the one really defining the policy agenda of the city together with the administration and I think really this citizen participation is absolutely critical. Um, that's also why we have to find more investment into uh, civic technology, but really where citizens are participating, we are not only consumers. I mean, here we are trying to, uh, to, to say that we want to uh, shift the power to citizens as maker, as co-producer of value, as, you know, fully participant. It's not just about consumer competition law and all these kind of things. It's also some broader agenda. And, and um, you know, we have been creating a, a digital social innovation fund uh, where we are spending
spending around 3 million per year to fund you know, grassroots innovation that contributes to the local economy, which has a good impact on the city, and that uses decentralized and privacy enhancing and open source technology to do that. And it's broad. I mean, in the city, you have the maker movements, which are all this digital fabrication technology, which has, are making sure that the fourth industrial revolution is democratized. So it's not just going to be about one sector, like the car industry, uh, because we are in Germany, or manufacturing only. Now, this has to diffuse throughout society in all the different economic sectors, and it has to bring, you know, the wealth has to be redistributed, and we created, together with the makers' movement, we created three maker places, maker labs, that are uh, public, where we do a lot of training, so STEAM education, which is science, technology, mathematics, uh, engineering, and the arts. Citizens can come in, they can understand how the technology is impacting their life, they can have training, courses, and all these kind of things. We do very strong gender policy as well, because really, I mean, if you look at the statistics, it's crazy. Like in Europe, 30%, I mean, less than 30% of scientists and researchers are women. I mean, it's even broader the problem than just like technology, uh, sector. Um, and, well, what I want to say is that you have really a broad ecosystem at a city level that you can foster and ultimately we, we are ambitious as a city and say, I think there is a lot here and I want to know what you think as well as a policymaker about politicians betting on these alternatives to scale, to become big, to become the type of innovation they want in the city and not just some thinkering of some hackers and activists around the corner, you know, doing their nice little things, you know? And this is about us saying, this is the type of city that we want to have. And for instance, we want less of the kind of uber predatory business model that is, uh, you know, offloading all the problems to the workers and precarizing labor. Uh, we don't want the type of negative externalities that Airbnbs bring into the city because of the housing issue. So we want actually to expand affordable housing. And it is a problem if I have, you know, a business model that is putting the rent up up three times in cities, so we have to do something about it. Do we want those technology companies to pay taxes? Yes. So they're absolutely not paying any taxes at the moment. So all of this has to come into different models where we fund and we say, what is the social impact of this technology? And amplify the positive one. And, and I'm sure, yeah, I want to know why you think about that. And then finally, we need to get back control of data. So this data that we continuously produce, and this is something I think, I mean, here in Germany, you have a debate about data for all. Uh, you're starting to look at, I mean, we need cryptography, we need to protect our fundamental rights in this digital society, and I think we need to find ways to the data has to be a common good, on top of which all these alternatives can be built. So if the data becomes a common good, and then with privacy-preserving uh, features, we open it up to SMEs, startups, cooperatives, uh, small projects, and so on, they can build the next generation uh, platforms and technologies that are more cooperative and that uh, bring social impact. So I think the data part is really important because otherwise the data is in the hands of few players. They are the only one building artificial intelligence services and we just cannot get it done.
if I may react to this, um, as I think many, many very important points you made. I mean, it's, it's such a big field and um, uh, all the things you said about AI and that it's important that we have our own way of developing it and what we want to achieve uh, with it. Um, I absolutely agree. And um, But let's make the reality check. In Germany, we have like thousands of strategies. We have the AI strategy now, um, which is only one billion now, not not anymore, three billion, so it goes down and down. And there is no focus at all on anything like social innovation or ecological aims. There are like some buzzwords maybe, but absolutely no priorities uh, on these fields and it, it hasn't any priorities at all. So it's just something like let's do something with AI, but there's no mission behind it. Then we have the high-tech strategy, high-tech strategy since 2006. It's a very old strategy and they make new strategy, like they, they renew it uh, every five or six years. And um, there's the same problem. It's not an issue. Social innovation is a very tiny, tiny part, like on page number, I don't know, there is this buzzword, but there is no priority behind it. And the government can't even say how much money is behind it. It's just like a, a nice uh, nice sentence on it, but not uh, much more. And even more, there is a high-tech forum um, which like kind of observes this high-tech strategy in Germany and gives advice. And there used to be um, some people from civil society in it, but uh, not anymore. Now they just have institutions, universities, um, and no one from civil society in it. That, uh, that means this whole perspective that there are many important initiatives in civil society that work on very important innovation issues is not a part of this whole high-tech strategy um, program in Germany. Um, and then we have also a strategy on digitalization, and uh, there's also nothing like this. So in reality, we are very far away from this kind of clear mission-oriented funding um, in these fields. And I think that is a huge problem we have. And um, we try to uh, bring this as a priority at every chance we have. Um, but there is not much um, flexibility on the side uh, of the government right now. I think they are really used to the kind of strategies they are doing since years, and they are not really um, enthusiastic about thinking, make, going new ways, and that is a huge problem, I think. And you mentioned the European perspective, um, which I also think is very important that we have like an European uh, thinking about innovation and the European Innovation Council um, that is coming up now, um, which is not the whole budget of the Horizon program. So I think it's not really accurate to, to um, compare to DARPA because DARPA is only on this innovation thing. Um, but it would be great if this uh, European Innovation Council could develop in this direction. It's not there yet, I'd say. Um, but um, it would be also our... Um but, uh, it should be an aim of Germany also and of all the countries in Europe to um, have a debate on how we could use this European Innovation Council for these kind of new innovations because that could really be something like made in Europe um, as, uh, as a buzzword uh, which could be a, a positive thing also for the rest of the world, I think. Yeah, and we can look to other countries when it comes to that. I've um, just interviewed Audrey Tang, the Digital Minister of Taiwan, and there, they, especially she as a minister, has a very holistic approach and vision of things. For example, when 
Taiwan talks about broadband access as Germany does all the time, they're not saying we want everybody to have like physical in access to the internet. They say digital participation should be a human right. So they go one step further. They think holistically. And we were, when we're talking about citizen participation, I'm wondering like how is all of this connected? How is citizen participation and co-creation that we want connected to rising rents in our cities where people have to hustle 50 hours a week that to in in order to be um, able to afford their apartments and do not have time to participate, do not have time to create, to innovate. So where are we going to find these like local innovations if we're not like thinking more holistic and approaching topics that might not seem as close to innovation as technology and AI? Um, another really interesting approach from Taiwan, because I just had this interview, is they set up a sandbox uh, for social innovation. So they're bringing together legislators and entrepreneurs and that discussing like what sort of legislation would benefit your social enterprise, your social business. So bringing people together in order to discuss laws and in order to like move forward and to really shift the power dynamics also. Yes. And I would like to take all of what we just discussed to the, <laughs> the first clap. Because power dynamics and structures um, were already being thrown into the room just to take it to the practical level so that we can take away a few solutions. And I mean, Anna, if you get into government next time, that is one of the things that I would hope you guys then do. Um, in, in the end, we talk about institutions, about funds, about structures. The people you put inside those organizations they make all the difference, right? You talked about Audrey, the Taiwanese minister. She was somebody who came from the outside. She was part of the hacker community and then she became minister and she brought a lot of new thought patterns, a lot of new ideas, connections, um, inspiration into the government, right? I mean, same with you, Francesca. You are an Italian who worked in the UK for, the, for, for an organization there who is now um, in the city government of Barcelona. I mean, if anybody of you knows of such a case in Germany, please message me because, right? So, and what I would say what Audrey and uh, Francesca have in common is what they, they are both kind of young female rockets. So let me tell you a story about young female rockets, right? Um, in one of the conversations that I, you know, pointed towards um, earlier here in Germany, um, we were talking about a lot of new different ideas and, you know, we had to, a kind of group of also young, talented women. And when I say young, and, you know, in politics, everything below 50 counts as young. Yeah? Um, so, so, so we had a group there and then, then um, we had a conversation with one of the ministries and, and the person on the other side from the ministry was saying to me, Miss um, Mocker, I mean, that's really nice, but let's be honest, there's no space here for young female rockets. That's, that's what he said to me, like, there's no space for young female rockets here, right? Then you get the situation we currently have in Germany. If you don't let young rockets, if they be they female or male, right? But yeah, but rockets with new ideas, with power, with energy, and also with other perspectives from maybe other countries or other sectors, if you don't let them into government and into our institutions, how is anything supposed to change? Because then this person who said, you know, there's no space for young rockets, um, you know, they also said, um, what you can do 
is, um, you know, you should enter the party, obviously our party, right? So you should enter the party. And uh, at the moment, the current kind of ministers and state secretaries are in power. The next generation will come into power in 10 years' time. And in 20 years, you can really make a difference, right? And I was just thinking, in 20 years' time, oh my God, I feel I already make a difference now, right? Um, so, so, so really, I think, you know, if, if you get in, in, into power, I know that you know, at least from also some of my friends at the Green Party, you know, there are similar dynamics, but I do think that, that you, you do have people who, who are, you know, open and smart and can hopefully break up some of the structures and bring others in. That doesn't mean that nobody who's been in the Green Party for 20 years is supposed to get any position, right? I'm not saying this, and it shouldn't just be young, young and female instead of older, da-da-da, but, but new ideas don't just come from the people who have done things the same way for 20 years and you need to bring in these rockets inside government so that anything that comes out of government can change. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I actually want to add, I want to add on that, I mean, uh, away from the rockets <laughs> into, I mean, I, I find out how important, I mean, this is actually... <laughs> serious, how important it is to, um, as we are all saying, I mean, when we think about digitalization in particular, it is nothing to do with just technology and how you bring the technology in, but it is the cultural change, it is the organizational structural change, and this is, by the way, a lot of the work of Mariana Mazzucato that you quote at the very beginning, where she says, okay, if we want governments not just to be, you know, they're very shy doing just market fixing and de-risking and you know, thinking at the edge, but we want government to be innovative, to shape the future, and to invest uh, in, the, in the future of innovation, we need to change structurally. And what this means is also engaging with the public officials and creating new institutions, maybe, I mean, like Nesta, like Citra, but also like new things that can be invented, uh, but working with the, with, with the people inside. And you will find out, like in Barcelona, I engaged the entire year uh, in a kind of agile, open source transformation with all the different themes from the CTO, understanding why we have to develop open source, how can we do agile service delivery, why ethics and security and privacy for the data is important. And you will see that maybe the top people didn't really get it. It's like, oh, this crazy Italian coming from the UK, whatever, what she wants. But a lot of the people in particular, maybe from the bottom up, you know, public workers, public officials, and some of them super talented, they started really owning the projects. They started coming up, they started doing a lot of work and I see really a transformation there and I'm sure that now, you know, whatever happens, if I move away from Barcelona whatever, there is teams there and people that are carrying on the Barcelona digital plan with citizen participation with the ecosystem of the city with the communities and inside the public sector. So I think besides like bringing in new, fresh young female rockets we also have to work in kind of re- restructuring, reshaping, rethinking, I mean, uh, innovate inside the public administration because otherwise, I mean, really, there is no possibility to do this. And so we have to get the people uh, working with us and uh, it, it's possible, it can be done. Um, I'd like to look a little bit, uh, connect, because we already established that we spend a lot of time and funds also on cleaning up the mess that the um, private sector created um, with all kinds of digital services and applications. Um, almost all artifacts that we value as a society 
are made by men or at the order of men and also with emphasizing the making. Um, but behind every one of those is an invisible infrastructure of labor, primarily caregiving, as Anna already mentioned, repair, analysis and education around the products that um, come to life. And uh, it's various aspects that's mostly performed by, by women. How do you support this labor in your daily work, in the programs you create and in your policies? Because I think maintenance is as important as innovation, especially when it comes to infrastructures. I'm not sure I got the question right. Um, if we emphasize like, innovation, what, what about maintenance, um, which is typically the support system that also enables innovation? Yeah, I, I mean, obviously you need all these fields um, for, for innovation. It's not that you could let just support one, one type of it and you, you need the, the whole range, I'd say. Um, so, so, so that is kind of the uh, obvious point in this whole thing that is not done yet, I would say. Um, so we need, need to absolutely come to, to more this direction. And I also wanted maybe make one last example because I think we are um, going to the, to the final round already. Yeah. Um, for um, what you also said, sometimes I think the challenges are so obvious we have and I don't understand why we don't uh, just uh, do things to really tackle these challenges as we have. Um, and one example is for me the mobility sector. Um, we have all these mobility struggle in the cities and everybody is unhappy with it, no matter if you drive a car or you use public transport or if you're uh, using your bike or whatever. So I don't understand why don't we um, give some money to have projects in cities to really try out new forms of uh, transport systems. And that is one part of this whole social innovation thing, to have cities who try to uh, um, make together with the people who live there and uh, the companies that are there to try out new forms of mobility um, on a larger scale. Because we always think about uh, micro-mobility and this type of mobility and electric, uh, electric cars and all these things and everybody just says, oh no, it won't work when we scale it up. Why don't we try it? And this is um, the things where we uh, have to also make a change in our way how to fund innovation. I think we need to have more places where we actually can things uh, can try things out and um, like sandboxes like experimentation courses and that's for me also an important issue we might not have yet um, spoke about uh, too much in this round but I think um, this trying things out is also one really important thing and trying things out together with the people um, who are affected by these um, challenges. Can I say something on yeah. that? So, yeah, you, you touch upon the experimentation word, which I think connects very well with what we're saying. If government is not able to experiment and open up, nothing can be done. Uh, two quick examples on that. So in Barcelona, we're doing something uh, really kind of... Um, 
uh, avant-gardistic on mobility, so we closed the 12 district to traffic. I don't think that's a lot sandbox, like we actually went about implementing a really um, forward-looking um, climate change uh, strategy and sustainable mobility strategy. So now, you know, the cars cannot get inside those districts. We call it super blocks. And we recuperated 60% of public space, and now it's green space and has been co-designed together with urbanists and architects and residents. And then we made like triple the number of um, bicycle lanes and we shifted all the public uh, mobility into electric mobility. And we even created a new public uh, energy operator that produces with solar, solar power for all the municipal buildings. So these are like really important policies that you can do at the city level and you can roll, it, roll them out with citizen participation and in like you know, uh, progressively, without having to disrupt the life of citizens drastically. It, it can be done again. I mean, we have many cities that are doing this. Milano is just like uh, cutting off the center from uh, cars, and many other cities are doing really uh, very big experimentation to fight climate change, so this is happening. And by the way, the uh, German uh, Development uh, Bank uh, just started a big fund on smart cities. I think it's around 150 million uh, euros for cities per year. And, well, this is going to be about cities, not to make it just technology focus, but to make it really social innovation focus and, and mission-oriented. So the type of projects that you can propose, and I think it's going to be very important that cities are able to propose projects where they collaborate with the ecosystem, with clear target, with innovative ideas, and then you can use those funding, and I think this is the right way to do it, involve also the development bank and try to you know, experiment new things, but don't let it just um, you know, drive from the big tech companies or the tech providers and you know, focus it on the real problems that citizens have and that you can uh, tackle in cities and then get to collaborate also with social innovators, with uh, startups, with citizens themselves. I think there is a big opportunity there. Um, we are already a little bit over time and Anna has to leave, unfortunately, but if the stage manager allows, I would like to open up the, audium, uh, the podium to the audience. Yeah? <laughs> For five minutes, um, so maybe we can talk about intellectual property and the role of tech providers and all of this, or if there are any other audience questions. But first of all, thank you to everyone on this panel. It was an exciting <laughs> debate. Other questions from the audience? Then I can hand over the mic. Hello. Uh, thank you for this very nice panel. It was very nice to have a stage full of rockets. I'm here with my daughter who's five years old, so it's very great to have this kind of a stage here. Um, I'm not going to ask a question on the topics you just suggested, but I want to know, because I'm right now coming from a situation in Berlin where an initiative just started two weeks ago where we're trying to um, interact with the Berlin uh, digitalization strategy because this is being done behind closed doors by one of the Senate departments that comes from a very uh, economic driven uh, place and um, I think this is also something that uh, the other woman that just left um, was saying that there's so many strategies built, being built from so many different departments and how we can start finding 
uh, a coherent uh, politics where these strategies are not totally uh, working to, against each other. And I think Barcelona is a very good example because you had this one position of leading all of the initiatives on technology and how important you think this is because we're finding it very, very difficult to interact with so many different kinds of actors. Well, I mean, um, yes, I think this is really important, but I, I even myself keep uh, really kind of surprisingly um, discover how complicated is the city of Berlin. So I think you have a lot of challenges, a lot of bureaucratic complication, and it's very, everybody keeps telling me how complicated it is. I'm like, really? I mean, it cannot be so complicated. Well, if it's so complicated, make it more simple. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I think you can just change it, but I think you guys have to make them change it. It's not going to go top down. It has to be people saying, right, we want to participate in shaping the future of Berlin. So, yeah. Um, then, like, to very practical approach, like, find allies, find other organizations who are, like, lobbying or supporting your cause. And then sometimes it's not the politicians who are driving change. Sometimes it's really about finding people within the public administration who support your cause And they know the spiel, and they can support you as well as politicians sometimes. So it's really about like also talking to the people within the public administration, not the most obvious obvious ones. Yeah. And I'm just going to add a couple of sentences. Are you, sorry, are you German, the, the person who just asked the question? Yes, okay, because I'm going to say something in German that, some, that a politician once said to me. I will translate it later, right? So... Um, When you do that, absolutely build alliances, go in, push, in the, push through the doors because nobody's going to say, oh, we are missing some voices, so maybe we should just enlarge the table by themselves. And what this politician, she's super nice, and what she said to me once as an advice is, du musst maximal hartnäckig, maximal nervig und maximal ätzend sein, sonst ändert sich nichts. Um, so, so, you know, you need, you need to um, yeah, bring your, your kind of maximum effort and and be sometimes maybe annoying and you know people are not going to be happy if they hear that things might have to change because the status quo is more comfortable but um, go do because if you don't push 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 nothing's going to change and uh, yeah remember the rocket and for your daughter also no make her the rocket because in the future we will need them to just shoot through the sky and change things thanks Again, thank you very much for participating in this panel. One final sentence to wrap up. How do we move on from here? Yeah. Okay. Yeah.